Welcome to Clothed with the Sun, our daily reading and meditation on today's gospel. I am James Thomas. Today is March 15th, 2023, Wednesday of the third week of Lent. Our gospel today is from the gospel according to Luke. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the crowds were amazed. Some of them said, By the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he drives out demons. Others detest him, asked him for a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste, and house will fall against house. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that it is by Beelzebul that I drive out demons. If I then drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your own people drive them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor on which he relied and distributes the spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. We see in today's Gospel Jesus delivering a man who is mute. Right there, that's an interesting concept. The devil does not want us to speak. I wonder what this man had to say that he was unable to say. Perhaps love for his loved ones. Perhaps there was some truth that he was unable to speak. Perhaps even if it was worship of God, I've heard in the past of people who were unable to pray because of a curse that was placed on them until they were delivered from that curse, usually by a priest. The devil wants us quiet. In this day and age, we are censored for speaking the truth. I wasn't going to preach about that today, but that's another very interesting topic. It's an important topic. How important it is to preach the truth and to find ways to preach the truth, to get the truth out there, even when people do not want us to hear it because they have their own agendas. But the point is, Jesus delivers the man. Jesus exercises the man. The man no longer has a demon in him, and he is able to speak. It reminisce, it's reminiscent of the story of Zechariah when Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist and how Zechariah was finally able to speak once he showed faith in Almighty God. God is always powerful. God always wins. And faith the size of a mustard seed, the faith of a tiny child, is more powerful than the devil. As Jesus is accused of being in league with Satan, Jesus then gives us a very common sense explanation about how this works. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So, if he was driving out Satan with the power of Satan, that would not make any sense whatsoever. Jesus, rather, is driving out Satan by the power of God. This is not a kingdom divided. It is one kingdom conquering another. And as I said, Jesus is explaining to us the kingdom of heaven is not only here, but it's more powerful than the kingdom of Satan. 
We've all been ruled by the kingdom of Satan in one way or another throughout our lives and certainly throughout human history. Even the chosen people, the people of the covenant, had so much on them that came from their own evil deeds that allowed the devil to rule, allowed the devil to have control. Jesus deals with that directly in dealing with the leadership of the people. When Jesus loses his temper, you could say, when Jesus gets very angry, it's against the leadership because the leadership should be stronger. They should know better. They should be more filled with the spirit and less filled with the spirit of the age, which is from the evil one. So Jesus is explaining the kingdom is among you. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is strong. When I was in school studying for my theological degree, we didn't really talk much about the devil. There was one class that I had that was called Man in the Image and Likeness of God, and it talked about, well, it was another word, another um, title for the course could have been Theology of Grace. just talked about the origins of man, man and woman. It also talked about the origins of the angels and just our status before Almighty God, where grace comes in, where we are nothing without grace, etc., what it means to be made in God's image. There was a brief explanation of the fall of some of the angels, Lucifer and his minions. But later on, when I had finished school, when I was teaching and ministering, everyone was telling me, so many people were telling me, oh, there's this great book that came out. Uh, it's called An Exorcist Tells His Story by Father Gabriel Amorth. So, okay, I read the book. I finally got the book. I read the book. And after reading the book, uh, I was very excited. It's a, it's a great book. The book draws you in. You, you think you're going to read these fantastic stories, and it's true, you are. Uh, but it, we entertainment is often used to draw people into this kind of a thing. In other words, we love to go to movies for some reason, movies that scare us. The Exorcist was a very popular movie. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, the movie The Right, and so many other horror movies. Nightmare on Elm Street, etc., Friday the 13th. Of course, a lot of these are pure fiction, but they draw us in. We love to be scared. Uh, we also love to see good conquer over evil. And the greater the evil is, the greater is the victory for the good. So I read this book, and like I say, it was very entertaining at first. But Father Amorth, the chief exorcist of Rome at the time, uh, about whom a movie is about to come out with um, Russell Crowe playing uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, chief exorcist of the Vatican. Can't wait to see that movie. Uh, Father Amorth in this book, and he's written many other books as well, but this is probably his main book, the book that was most popular, draws you in with the stories, but then it, it basically becomes a textbook. So in this book, it's a great book. I recommend everyone to read it. It talks about the activity of the devil, who the devil is. It talks about the fall of the angels. It talks about what we can do to bring more and more evil into our lives, of course, sin, but especially uh, types of sin, messing around with the occult, playing with Ouija boards, reading whatever, tarot cards, uh, reading palms, crystal balls, all these kinds of things, the things that you see on the boardwalk when you go down to the beach. So there's so many things that we can do, things that happen on the Internet that open us up to evil. 
the evil of pornography, the evil of drugs, illegal drug use, etc. These things can draw in demons and make things much, much worse. And then there's various activities of the devil, such as demonic obsession, which is like a temptation that is excessive and won't go away. Very often people that are addicted to drugs need that deliverance prayer to help them be delivered from their addiction because there were demons involved with it. So there's demonic obsession, there's demonic oppression. It would be kind of like having a bad cold versus then getting pneumonia, which would be comparable to full-blown demonic possession. But many other things. The main activity of the devil is temptation. So it's good to read this. And then, of course, he's very hopeful about how the faith of the child can drive out the evil one. Um, Using sacraments, of course, receiving the sacraments are what's most powerful against the devil. Holy communion, confession being essential. I was told once by Monsignor Esif, who was also an exorcist in this country, he, and he has said this in many times and many places, while deliverance prayers can get rid of evil spirits, only confession shuts the door, confessing our sins, receiving absolution. So there's so many things that we can do. Devotion to Mary. The devil is very afraid of the Blessed Mother and the saints and people with faith. Using sacramentals. I mean, of course, others we can pray to. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, St. Michael and the Archangels, and even our Guardian Angels. But yes, sacramentals as well. Crucifixes, wearing miraculous medals, wearing St. Benedict medals. Uh, I know another exorcist, Father James Blunt, who has many fantastic stories, wonderful stories. He's a great guy about just different people where he's ministered to them and their families and different people that have particular problems. He took St. Benedict medals and put them under the beds, under the mattresses, and this uh, caused a great deal of change to happen in their family life, especially for those people that were having the greatest problems. We fail to see sometime just how the battle rages on all around us. Once again, using this comparison of a cold, we can get sick very easily. Do we ever think of how often we touch the same door handle that so many other people touched and then we bite our fingernails or scratch our around our eyes or something? There's constantly germs being transferred back and forth. And so what do we have to do? Well, eat healthy, take vitamins, get a good night's sleep. We have to protect ourselves from germs. Well, on the spiritual level, we have to protect ourselves from the evil one. And so we use holy water. We go to the sacraments. We read the Bible. We say our prayers. We nurture our faith, and this drives out the devil. Of course, in the case of a full-blown possession, then it's important that we uh, call a priest, Uh, not just any priest, but try to find an exorcist within the Catholic Church. But in reading this book, I was very excited just to see, you know, to learn more about the battle, but then to know the power that I have, that we all have as believers to drive out the evil one. And it was right after finishing the book that I got a call from a woman that I had not met before. Since then, she and her family and and I and my family, we've all become good friends. Uh, But she called me up. She had been calling around to all sorts of different uh, religious people just trying to get help. She said she had demons in her house. She said she and her husband were atheists, but they experienced things in their home over time. They didn't really know what to do about it. And they claimed to not believe in it, quote-unquote, even when it was happening all around them. 
But finally, something was happening one day. They had just had a little baby boy, and this baby boy was sitting there, and something flew across the room and hit him in the head. So now they were very upset, so now they wanted something to be done. So she got me on the phone, and I went over there to her house. She told me where she lived, and we said prayers together in the house. We prayed deliverance prayers. We uh, placed medals around the house, medals on the doors and windows, as Father Amorth recommends. We, um, I had talked to her about praying the rosary, but she said she and her family were already doing that. And so we said prayers of blessing for the house. We said prayers of deliverance for the home and for the family. And that was it. I asked her at the end of the visit, I said, is there anything in this house that's particularly sinful that's going on that might keep demonic activity here? She didn't respond. But then about a month later, she came to me and said, ever since that day when we all prayed together in the house, uh, nothing has happened. The demons are gone. And then she said, by the way, that's not my husband. And I'm making, making him sleep in the basement now. That's my boyfriend. But we want to get married properly. And she said, I'm not baptized. I want to be baptized. I want to receive my sacraments. So this phenomenon converted her and it converted members of her family. It's really a beautiful thing. And she's become a very devout woman since then. And her family members have gotten very much more into their faith. And it was a few years later that she told me there was so much more to the story as far as demonic things that were going on in the house, uh, especially centered around 3 a.m., which is considered the witching hour. Things just turning on by themselves, things moving around on the floor, flying around in the air, all sorts of different things, but how everything had stopped when we prayed those prayers of deliverance, when we blessed the house, when we sprinkled holy water around. So it's a beautiful story, and there are many stories like that, not just in the history of the church, but in people's lives. There are so many people today caught up in the grasp of the evil one because we're all searching for the supernatural. We were made for that. We were made for union with God, and so we have a soul. We were made in God's image so that we can connect with God, so that we can be one with the supernatural. We are supernatural beings that also have bodies. Our body is part of who we are as well. But we were made for all this. But if we don't know that, if we don't know Jesus, then we look for that part of ourselves to be fulfilled in other ways. We look to other things. We look in other places. And so, so many people today are poor young people today that haven't been brought to church, that don't know Jesus and don't know their faith. They wonder why they're so caught up in various sins. They wonder why they're not free. They wonder why they're depressed and why they're anxious. And it has so much to do with the spiritual battle. So we do need to get the truth out there. We can't allow ourselves to be made mute. We have to be on a regular diet of prayer, sacraments, sacramentals, etc. There's another great book, and I'll just mention it briefly here, Francis McNutt. I just read it recently, and it's called Healing, Plain and Simple. Similar, very similar to Father Amorth's book, just saying that the phenomenon of Jesus healing people isn't meant to be some rare thing now that we only see once in a while in our 2,000-year history of the church. But Jesus said to go out and do the things that he did. He believes, the author of that book, that healing is normative, and it should be normative for Christians, and there are all sorts of different healing. And once again, he draws you in with great stories, but then it becomes more of a textbook. How to heal, and really it's only God that heals. 
So there are things that we can do. There are things that we can say, ways that we can pray, ways that we can reach out to people to help facilitate that healing. Sometimes deliverance prayers, sometimes just extended healing for healing prayers and, and just, you know, closeness and affection for people with emotional problems. Of course, not negating in any way medicine and psychology and all these things. The human and the spiritual are meant to work together, spiritual being part of what it means to be human, etc. Um, so just as we conclude this sermon and as we consider this battle that rages on around us, this gospel passage today is meant to inspire us, that although there is evil all around us, Jesus came to heal us. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to deliver us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we are able to do this as well. If we're still caught up in our own sins, it would be bad advice for me to say, now go and pray over other people. We need to be free of our own sins first. We need to purify the evil that is within us. Of course, we're always going to be guilty of some sin till the day we die, but we do the best that we can to be men and women of prayer, to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, and the more we are filled, the more then that spirit can overflow to the people around us. It's very important for us as we grow in the spirit to seek out those around us that are most hurting and try to bring the Lord into their midst as well. Remembering that the kingdom of heaven is here. It is real. It is with us. And just as Jesus talks about the strong man, the kingdom of God is far stronger than the kingdom of evil no matter how crazy this world gets. God bless you.